Well, praise the Lord, everybody. You love the Lord this morning? Amen, amen. amen. And uh, I am very happy to see that people are sitting in different chairs this morning. You know, I nearly forgot, but then someone texted me and said, I just remembered that we had to move different seats. I was like, ah, thank you for reminding me. But then when I got here, I saw that people already had remembered and were moving to different seats. So that's good. It's good to change things up a little bit. Now when I look over there, there's a whole different set of people over there. And over here, there's a whole different set of people over here. And down the front here is a whole different set of people as well. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? Continue on with, I think this will be our last lesson in this series. We're we're starting a little bit late, so we'll see how we go time-wise. But uh, Matthew chapter 25. Last week we finished up talking about priorities and about making sure that our priorities are aligned with what God wants for our life. But but more importantly, making sure that our priorities are lined up with um, God's kingdom. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew, I think it's 16, chapter 16, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, maybe it's Matthew chapter 9, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We have to make sure that our priorities are aligned with the kingdom of God. It's not to say that we can't have business plans, not to say we can't have personal goals, not to say that we can't have things that we want to achieve in our life, but we must always make sure that they are subordinate or underneath what God wants for our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue on this morning. Uh, Our final lesson in our series, Happy New You. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, and uh, I think the children's ministry has already been dismissed, so I don't think there's any kids out here still, but Matthew 25. (coughs) Matthew 25 and verse 14, everyone say amen when you're there. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, unto another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Uh, for those of you who don't, aren't familiar with the story, it goes on to tell us that the one that had five went and traded with the five. And made another five of talents. So he had a total of ten. The one that had two went and traded his two and made another two. So he had a total of four. And the last one had one. And he went and dug a hole in the earth, buried his master's talent and left it there. The master comes back. Says after a long time, verse 19, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. And he that received five talents came and bought the other five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he that received two, same thing, came to the master, said, Look, I've received two. The master said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But then he got to the one. The guy who had the one talent says, 
And then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know that you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. In other words, I was afraid that I might lose what you have given me. I was afraid that I might not use it correctly. So I went and buried it in the earth so that it would be nice and safe. And now that you're back, it's still yours. Here it is. And the Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I sowed not, and I gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with interest. He's saying, at least you should have put it in a bank account and got interest on it. But you did nothing with it. You buried it in the ground. It's like the worst possible thing you could do with it. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. For every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But for him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Everyone say amen when you're there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. Everyone say lay aside. Every weight. And the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. We're talking about Happy New You this morning. We've been talking about priorities recently. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this and just dig a little bit deeper in this. But the story is told of a magician that made the king very upset one day. The king, being the king, sentenced the magician to death. On the day of the magician's execution, as they marched him out towards where he would meet his doom, the magician said, King, wait, wait, wait. Give me a year and I will make your horse talk. The king thought, well, that's quite interesting. So he said, okay. I will give you one more year, and if at the end of the year my horse has not talked, then you will be executed. A few days later, the magician was in jail still, and one of his friends came to see him and said, what were you thinking? You can't actually make a horse talk. And the magician said, I know that, but I've got one more year now, and a lot can happen in one year. The king could die. A battle might happen. He might change his mind about me. Something else might happen. But at least now, I've got one more year. A lot can happen in a year. Amen. And a lot might not happen. In one year, you might be a happier 
better adjusted person, closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. In one year, you might be exactly the same person you are now. In one more year, you could be floundering in a spiritual sea of confusion. Or in one more year, you could be close to God and know exactly where you stand and understand more of God's word than you've ever known before. See, the outcome of the next 12 months of our life hinges on three things. The first one, of course, is Jesus' hand in our life. The second is our attitude. But the third one, and and this is what I want to focus on today, the third one is your choices about how you spend your life. Your choices about how you spend your life. Now, we all make plans, don't we? Amen. We make plans. I'm making a plan. I might as well make the announcement now while I'm thinking about it. Next weekend, I won't be here. I'm going to be in Townsville with um, Pastor Henderson down there. They're dedicating their new church building that they've just opened, right? So I'm going to be away. Right? But we make plans, right? We make plans. Who's, who's planning on going to the Cairns show when it comes around, right? Some people are like, why would I want to go to that, right? But the young people are like, yeah, I'll be there, right? We make plans. You know, we make plans for holidays. What's the next holiday coming up? Probably... Probably Easter, right? We make plans for Easter. We're going to go to youth camp for those of us who are involved in youth, right? Or it's a long weekend. We're going to go away and travel. We're going to do different things. So we we make plans. And and some people are more, that's the word I want, a nice word, obsessed about making plans. Do you ever meet those people that have their entire life really structured out? Nothing wrong with that. That's okay. Everyone's different, right? But we make plans, don't we? But here's the thing. Listen carefully now. This year's most important moments will probably be those that you don't necessarily look forward to for months in advance. Did you get that? I'm going to say it again. This year's most important moments in your life are not going to be the ones that you have planned about. In the future. But they are going to be the ones that happen every day. Those mundane things that happen during the day, the decisions that we make every day, they are the ones that will have the greatest effect on your life. It won't be those significant moments that are marked by birthdays or holidays or special events. You know, the thing is, is that those things often don't change our lives. They don't change the course of our life. They don't change our direction. You know, we, we plan for our birthday, right? We had, we had Jonathan's fifth birthday down at Jump Mania um, a few weeks ago. And, you know, he turned five years old and there was a lot of planning that went into that. And we invited all these friends and some people helped us out with cooking some food. And, 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 and it was really great. But, but the reality is, is Jonathan's life didn't really change just because he turned five. He still goes to bed at the same time. He still goes to school the same time every day. right? He still eats the same thing. He didn't suddenly start liking broccoli. (laughs) Amen. These things don't change our lives. right? But it is those little things that happen in our our life that, that change the direction and change the course. Of our life. And in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, it's interesting when you stop and think about 
where this parable is located in the Bible. It's right before the end of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is giving. Jesus is giving his final instructions to his disciples before he goes to the cross. Right? Jesus is understanding that this church that I am creating by my sacrifice is going to need to be handed over to the next group of people who are going to manage it. And so Matthew 24 and 25 is Jesus giving his instructions to his disciples about how to be good stewards of what God is about to give them. Amen. And it's quite a serious parable that he tells right here in the middle of all these instructions, the parable of the talents. And we have those three servants. One has five talents. One has two. One has one. The five-talent dude goes and makes another five talents. He's got ten. The two-talent expert turns around. He makes another two. He's got four. But the one, he just buries his talent in the ground because he's too afraid to act with what his master has given him. And... You know, if, if I read a paraphrase, you know, the master basically tells him, you are a wicked, lazy servant. Now, <laughs> anyone ever gone to work and been told by their boss that you are wicked and lazy? No. Mr. Glender, have you ever told any of your stuff, you are wicked and lazy? Oh, I know you'd like to sometimes. I'd like to sometimes too. I'm sure my boss would like to tell us that sometimes too. But you just don't do it really, do you? Sister Minnie, has your boss ever come to you and said, you are wicked and lazy, Minnie. What are you doing? Of course not. Right? It seems like quite a harsh um, statement, doesn't it? That the master gives to this one servant. It sounds like a real steep punishment. I mean, what did he really do wrong? He kept his master's money safe, didn't he? Nothing happened to it. It's not like he went out and spent it on his own stuff. He looked after it. It was safe. So where did he go wrong? You see, here's the point of this parable. The point is that God has gifted all of us. And whether we have one gift or a hundred gifts, God does not want us to waste our gift. We all have gifts of talents, abilities, skills. We have gifts of money. We have the gifts of the spirit. We have the gift of time. Hello? And as humans, it's incredibly hard for us to understand that God does not want us to waste our gifts. But what we don't realize sometimes is God does not want us to hoard our gifts either. He wants us to be wise stewards of everything that he gives us. He wants us to invest our time, invest our gifts, spread our gifts, help them to grow, help them to have an impact on people. Amen.
And so the parable of the talents uses wealth as an illustration, but Jesus did not tell this story to talk about money. Amen. He used it to talk about something bigger. He was trying to make his disciples understand the huge responsibility that they were about to undertake of looking after the kingdom once Jesus was gone. And so we shouldn't interpret this parable only to mean that Jesus cares about how we invest our money or even that he only cares about how we invest our talents. It's a parable about all of our gifts, about all the gifts that God has given us. It is a parable about all the time that God has given us. Now, for those of you who are younger, you have more time to invest than those of us who are middle-aged, than those of us who are older, right? But God is concerned about how we invest our time. This story is the story of our life. How are we investing our lives? Someone say praise the Lord. Now we might not think that wasting time, for example, is a big deal. We might think that we deserve downtime or maybe perhaps we've earned it. You know, and don't get me wrong, rest and relaxation have their place. I'm, I'm learning that very quickly. Rest and relaxation have their place, but we have to make sure that they are not just a cover-up for laziness. Right? Because God's will for our life is not small, pointless activities and distractions to just eat up our day. But God dreams big for us. God has a big purpose for your life and a big plan for your life. But sometimes we're just busy doing this, doing that, and, and the days just tick away. You all look so serious today. Someone smile at me, please. That's better. <laughs> you know, and... and these, these meaningless activities can result in whole moments of our life just being wasted. We miss opportunities. You know, time lost comes at a cost. Some activities eat away at our time uninvited. You know, there's, there's studies that show that uh, we often spend months of our life, entire months, waiting in queues. You know, you go watch a movie or something, you line up to pay for your ticket, you spend 15 minutes just standing there. Well, I get it. You've got to queue up sometimes, right? Have you ever been to, who's, who's been to like Dreamworld or Disney World or something like that? You know, I mean, you go on a ride, the ride lasts for eight minutes, but you spend an hour and a half waiting in a line to get on the ride for eight and a half minutes. Don't get me wrong, I love theme parks, okay? I'm not against them. I'm not saying we shouldn't go to theme parks. But, you know, unintentionally, whole parts of our life are wasted. I mean, sleep. We spend eight hours a day sleeping. We should spend eight hours a day sleeping. You know what? I wish I was one of these super people who can seem to get by on six hours or four hours of sleep every night. You know, I know someone like that. He, he pastors two churches. And he gets like four hours of sleep every night. And he writes books and he speaks Greek. And I'm just like, man, how do you do that? I would fall apart if I only got four hours of sleep every night. But he just seems to be wired different, right? So we spend large portions of our life. You know, we spend months, some of us maybe years, you know, getting ready for school, getting ready for church, getting ready for work, you know, make sure your hair looks just perfect. Everything looks okay. Hello? You know, but when we really click that our life and the time that God has given us is precious and fragile, you will no longer feel comfortable wasting time. Amen? Here's the thing. Time is the one commodity 
that we cannot replace. Money can be replaced. Belongings can be replaced. Food can be replaced. Houses can be replaced. But we cannot replace the hours that we give to things that are time wasters. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have downtime. I'm not saying we shouldn't relax. But I'm saying that sometimes we need to stop and just think, how am I spending my time? You know, it's, not, it's not wrong to enjoy downtime. It's not wrong to surf the internet on your phone and, and check Facebook and talk on the phone and, and stuff like that. But, you know, we have to be aware of it. And that's, that's, I guess this is the point of the final lesson in Happy New You is that in this day that we live in, it never ceases to amaze me that we have all these amazing contraptions that speed up things. And yet we remain as time poor as ever. I mean, man, you can get two-minute noodles. You never used to be able to get two-minute noodles. You had to actually make the noodles and then boil them and then add some spices and stuff. And two-minute noodles, you put two-minute noodles in the microwave. I mean, how many people here besides me put them in the microwave for two minutes and then start looking at the clock like, come on, how long is two minutes? Chop, chop. Can this go any faster? Maybe if I dial the power up, I'll get it cut down to a minute and 30 seconds. And yet we remain... Time poor. You know, there was a 19th century Harvard professor by the name of Louis Agnesi, and he was asked to address an elite academic society, and he declined. He said, Nope. He said, This kind of lecture takes too much of my time to prepare and to deliver. And the society persisted, and they said, We're going to pay you well if you do this. And he said, Money is no inducement for me. I can't afford to waste my time making money. You see, I think he kind of hit something a little bit on the head. He, he, he had a good perspective of what time is worth. Time, you know, have you ever heard that, that saying in business, time is money? You ever heard that saying? You know, it's something we use all the time in my industry. You know, when someone's scanning something on a big photocopier, for example, and it's scanning it really, really slow. And we'll tell the, we'll tell the, we'll tell the business, you know, time is money. That person you're paying $35 an hour is spending four hours a day scanning, but if they put this really nice shiny Fuji Xerox in, it'll get done in like five minutes. And then they go, oh, yes, please, Jason, where do I sign? <laughs> oh, what happens in my dreams anyway. <laughs> right? But here's the thing. Time is actually more valuable than money. And, and I think we miss that sometimes. Time, time is more valuable than money because you can't make it back once it's gone. And we've talked a little bit about wasting our time, but you can also go the opposite end. And you can fill your, the, the, fill your day with just activity after activity after activity. Constantly moving, constantly working. And that can be just as meaningless because it can serve as a distraction from our life on what is important. Remember, we're talking about priorities here today and, and making sure that our priorities are right. But it's so easy to fill our life with meaningful acti meaningless activity that does not look back to what our true priorities in life need to be. Amen? Amen. And so how do we make the most of our time? 
make the most of our time, we need to let our Christ-centered priorities guide our time management. We need to know what our priorities are. What are our priorities in life? What is your priority in life? And does it line up with what God wants for your life? Have you prayed about that? Have you asked God for his input? You know, we need to learn to know what we value. What do we value more? And again, does that line up with what God values? You know, and then, and then once you understand that, you can make decisions and you can make choices based on those values. Right? And so this year, as we plan our schedules, as we prepare to get ready to to face the rest of 2020 together as a church, that we have to ask ourselves, what use of our time will draw me closer to the fulfillment of what God wants in our life? You see, we, we understand this from a secular perspective. We understand how we can invest our time to get closer to our business goals at work. You know, I know that if I, if I do this piece of study... I'll know how to do this, and it'll help me do this, and I'll reach this goal. Right? But how do we translate that to be relevant to our lives, spiritually speaking? Because it's important. You see, we're, we're very good at setting goals for ourselves physically, or setting goals for our, our, our work, or our families, or whatever. But so often I find that Christians are on cruise control when it comes to our spiritual life. We actually don't stop to go, well, you know what? I want to know more about God by the end of this year. I want to have read more of God's Word. I want to understand something more. I want to teach a couple of home Bible studies this year. That's my goal. You know, we don't stop to actually think, how can we set goals that bring our life into alignment with what God wants? And in line with what the Scripture says, it's Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. What use of our time will draw us closer to becoming more godly? What things will, will draw us closer to becoming more spiritually mature? What things will help us become better personal evangelists? These are the questions that, that I'm asking you this morning. And, and life is made up of thousands of individual moments. Our job is to make the most of each of those moments and find and use the gifts that God has given us in those moments. You know, we read it earlier, but look at this, Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The Bible compares the life that we are living as a race. Amen. Now let me, does anyone, does anyone here like to run or jog? Any runners here like to run a little bit, yeah? Anyone else? I won't, I won't ask you to come up and give us a demonstration, but, but I have observed that when you run, you normally have, you, you, you're like this, aren't you? Not good. This is about the fastest I can run. Right? 
You have everything free and moving in synchronization to help you move. Now, if you take two people who can run exactly the same speed, and one person can run free, but you make the other person run, You know what's going to happen? The person who has their arms crossed will not be able to run as fast. Even though they might have been the same speed before they crossed their arms. Once you cross your arms, you get slowed down. Because you're not free. You're bound up. Right? You know, (coughs) I've heard that runners, if you go down to the sports stores, you can get leg weights. You can attach weights to your legs when you run because they train your legs. But when you get to the actual race day, no runner keeps the leg weights on their legs when they're running competitively. They take them off so they can run free, right? And and this is what the Bible's talking about. It's saying that our, our life is like that. And the problem is, is that so often, spiritually speaking now, we run the race that God has put us on, but we run with our arms crossed. Or we run with weights on our legs. And the Bible is saying here in Hebrews, it's saying, get rid of the weights. Get rid of the sin. You know, and we, we understand that we should lay aside the sin. I mean, I think most of us get that. But the Bible is very specific when it says, lay aside the sin and the weights. Amen. You know, what, what, are, what are some of the things there can be weights on our relationship with God. Things like unhealthy relationships. Things like obligations that waste our time. Hobbies and commitments that eat away at our time and eat away at our bank balance sometimes. With no spiritual or very little spiritual return. Excess clutter and possessions can be weights. These are all things which can drag us down spiritually. And allow us to lose our focus on the purpose that God has for our life. And if we want to be more than a spectator in this Christian race that we are on, we must learn to lay aside our weights. We have to learn to make the things of the Lord a priority. You know, it's funny. I talk, I'm just, I'm being really honest here. Is this, is this Okay. I know this is a little direct, right? But, but I talk to people and like, oh, pastor, you know, I try, and, I try and read my Bible and I just, I try and spend some time in prayer, but I just, I just don't have the time. I'm so busy. And yet that same person, you know, won't miss an episode of My Kitchen Rules on TV. Hello? Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong. But what I'm saying is we have to learn to make sure we get our priorities right. You know, oh, I don't have time to, to, to pray in the morning. Okay, well, what time do you go to sleep? Oh, 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, no wonder you don't have time to pray in the morning. You're dead asleep still. Hello? Unless you're one of those amazing people, like I said, who can survive on four hours of sleep. I'm not one of them, bless God. I need my eight hours. Right? But you understand my point that I'm trying to make to you tonight. today. We've got to get our priorities right. And we've got to put our focus and our attention. We've got to focus on our spiritual fitness this year. 
We've got to be closer to God. We cannot be the same at the end of this year as what we are at the start of it. Now, now I understand that what happens this year is not completely in your power. I get that. We all have things happen in our life, circumstances, situations. There will be sad days and there will be happy days. There will be unexpected tragedies. There will be unexpected blessings. But there are two things that are within your control. Everyone just focus on me. There are two things within your control. The first one is your choices. And the second one is how you respond to the things that you cannot control. I think we'll leave it there this morning. Why don't we all stand? And we're going to talk to the Lord together. But if I could give you a word. And if you don't remember anything else that we talked about this morning, I want you to remember this word. It's choice. What choices are you going to make this year to ensure that you are spiritually fitter than what you were at the beginning of this year? It's another word I like, intentional. I've been hearing it on a podcast that I've been listening to lately. I like that word, right? We need to be intentional about the choices that we make. So that's what I want you to leave as we leave this series behind. I want you to think, what are the choices that you are going to make this year? Because we must grow. We must grow. We must become more like Jesus. None of us are there yet. And so as we pray, I want you to ask God to search your heart. To identify areas in your life where perhaps you have not been making the right choices in the past. And ask God to help you make the right choices moving forward. You know, perhaps you have been guilty of wasting time on things that have very little spiritual benefit or even no spiritual benefit. Maybe you have been guilty of misusing the gifts that God has given you. Maybe you've been guilty of not using at all the gifts that God has given you. But this year... It can be different. This year, you can use what God has given you in His kingdom. And when you do that, your gift will begin to grow and begin to multiply and will begin to have an impact on other people's lives. But it all comes down to choice. We can decide whether or not we want to use what God has given us. Let's pray together. Precious Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word.